Assume I Know Nothing, A Beginner's Guide to Understanding the Story of God. I dedicate this book to my wife, Heidi Bogue. Heidi, your passion and creativity has led to helping thousands of people understand the heart and mind of Christ. And your vision for our family, our church, and high gear inspires me every day. Your boundless energy, your deep love, and your spiritual tenacity affects the lives of hundreds of people by creating an environment in which they are loved, accepted, and led toward Jesus. I love you more than words. Headspace and how to get the most out of this book. As you read through Assume I Know Nothing, I want to give you space to pause and think through what we're talking about in a deeper and more purposeful way. To that end, I have created sections called Headspace, which are placed at the end of each chapter. There you'll find additional quotes from the Bible to look at and think through. You'll also find questions to chew on, suggested prayers, and ideas for conversations you could have around these topics. Each headspace has three parts. The first part helps you think through your connection with God. The second part focuses on your connection with others. And the third part explores how you might live differently because of what you've learned. You might interact with the headspace sections alone with some friends for a few minutes or over the course of a few days. However you want to use these guides, I hope they're helpful while you experience the story of God in a new way and understand more deeply who God is and how He interacts with humanity. Chapter 1. The Bible A friend of mine was having some problems in her life. She knew that I was a pastor and one afternoon she asked me if I would answer some questions about the Bible. Since that's a pastor's dream question, I was more than willing to help her out. I started to answer her questions about the Bible and life from a biblical perspective, but I quickly realized I wasn't connecting with her, so I stopped. I looked at my friend and said, I can't help but feel like we're not connecting here. She smiled at me politely as if to say, What took you so long to notice, genius? Do you know how the Bible works? I asked. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence or talk to you in a patronizing way. I just need to know where to start. No, not really, she answered. Do you know the difference between the Old and New Testament? Jeff, just assume I know nothing. Don't worry about hurting my feelings. Just start from scratch, she responded. Wow. Assume I know nothing. Not only did those four words let me off the hook with her, but they made me realize how honest and raw her heart was. She needed to start at the beginning, so that's what we did. So that's where we started, from the very beginning. I started talking to her with the assumption she knew nothing at all about the Bible, God, or the Christian faith, and that's the same assumption I want to make with you. In the following chapters, I want to walk you through many of the conversations I've had with my friend and many others like her throughout their faith journeys. Your journey may be a lot like theirs. I realize you probably know some things about the Bible and maybe even a lot of things. Maybe you never really dug into it because you found the language too hard to understand or its sheer size too intimidating. It might just be that you've had no exposure to the Bible at all. You may have never visited a church building and you're a completely blank slate when it comes to knowing Jesus. Wherever you land, this book is for you. Let me be clear for a moment about what I'm not going to do with this book. I am in no way trying to teach you everything there is to know about the Bible or explain all of its details. And my goal is not to patronize, argue, or prove anyone wrong. 
My hope is simply to present the big ideas of the Bible in an accessible, easy to understand way. This book is designed to answer your questions and fill in any blanks you may have about the story of God and his interactions with us. What you do with the answers is your business, of course, but I hope this conversation can lead you to a greater understanding of God's heart and mind. To wrap our heads around the story of God, and with my assumption that you know nothing, let's start with some basic information about the Bible. About the Bible. The Bible is a book, but for the Christ follower, the Bible is our sacred text. It's the source we use to understand God and all the other elements of the Christian faith, like how we are to live, the celebrations of Christmas and Easter, the idea of church itself, and much more. The good news is that the Bible is pretty easy to get your hands on, and it can be found all over the world because it's the most widely read and published book in human history. The word Bible is the Greek word for the book. You may hear it called Scripture, the Word of God, God's Word, the Good Book, etc., but those are all just different names for the Bible. The Bible is actually kind of weird in that it isn't really one book. It's a collection of 66 different books made up of letters, poems, and stories. Christians believe God preserved these books, which were then collected and determined to be legitimate by trusted church leaders. This process was called canonization. The books of the Bible are generally named either after the person who wrote them or after the people to whom they were written, although some exceptions apply Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, etc. The Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old is the oldest part of the Bible and includes text that is nearly three five hundred years old. Unsurprisingly, the New Testament is the newest part of the Bible, but still pretty old with text that is estimated to be about two thousand years old. A quick and easy way to understand the division of the Bible is to know that the Old Testament was written many years before the birth of a man named Jesus, and the New Testament was written after Jesus' death. The Old Testament when it comes to the Old Testament, it's helpful to know three main things. One, it explains human origin or how we humans came to be. Our creation is an important theme throughout the Bible. Two, Jesus, who is the Son of God and the most important figure in Christianity, don't worry, will cover God and Jesus more in depth in later chapters, is found throughout the Old Testament even though it was written before he was born. He's just not called Jesus in the Old Testament. Instead, he's referred to as the Seed, Savior, Counselor, Branch, Mighty God, and many other names. Jesus answered to many names just like you or I do. I'm not just Jeff, I'm also Dr. Bogue, Pastor Jeff, and Dad. 3. The Old Testament also explains the history of the nation of Israel. The Jewish people, the very same Jewish people and nation of Israel that exist today have a special relationship with God. Jesus was a Jewish teacher, so the more we understand the nation of Israel, and the more we understand Judaism, the more we understand Christianity because its roots are Jewish. The New Testament In the same way, when it comes to the New Testament, it's helpful to know three main things. 1. The New Testament starts with the arrival of Jesus. The first four books of the New Testament are titled Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John after these four respective men who recorded the teachings, miracles, and events of Jesus' life. We call these books the Gospels, and in them we find the stories of Christmas and Easter. 2. After the Gospels, we are introduced to people who we call the Apostles. The word Apostle just means messenger of God. 
Paul, Peter, and John were apostles who wrote most of the New Testament on God's behalf. Their primary role was to help people who believed in Jesus learn how to follow his teachings. 3. Jesus called those who followed his teachings his church. The church is a spiritual gathering or a community of people who have decided to follow Jesus. If you've ever gone to church, you've really just visited the building where the church or the community of believers gathers. If you follow Jesus, you are the church. If we want to get technical, the church is something you are a part of, not something you attend just like you are a part of a family. You don't go to family, you go wherever your family may be. What's unique about the Bible? When you open the Bible, you see big numbers and small numbers. The big numbers mark the chapters and the small numbers mark the verses. There's nothing spiritual or special about those numbers. They're just an organizational tool added by scholars long after the Bible was written to make it easier to navigate. Most Bibles also have a table of contents to help you find books more easily. Here's what happens when you start talking about the Bible. If you're a critical thinker, and I'm sure you are because you're reading this book, you would probably ask a question like this, I got it, Jeff, the Bible sounds terrific, but isn't the Bible just one of many spiritual or religious books? Yes. Isn't the Quran a spiritual book? Yep. Isn't the Book of Mormon a religious book? It sure is. What about the Hindu texts, the Vedas? What about the teachings of Confucius or Buddha? Come on, let's just be honest about it. Isn't the Bible the dominant sacred text just because the Europeans got a hold of it and they dominated the world? What is so different about the Bible? Most of that is true. The Bible is one of many spiritual books. However, many things make the Bible exceptional and unique, and it's important to understand what those things are in order to help you trust the Bible. For instance, the Bible passes academic rigor like no other spiritual text. Even though 40 different authors wrote the Bible over a span of 1-500 years, its message is coherent and consistent. Prophetic Accuracy The Bible is unique because of its prophetic accuracy. About 27% of the Bible is prophecy, which simply means it foretells or predicts what's going to happen in the future. Other spiritual books do that too. That's true. Nostradamus, the physician and seer from the Renaissance period, predicted vague events that some people believe have been and continue to be fulfilled. Biblical prophecy is different. Biblical scholars have counted as many as 1,000 prophecies in the Old and New Testament, 500 of which have already been fulfilled and historically documented. That leaves 500 other prophecies that haven't happened yet, but Christians believe they will happen one day. There are many prophecies specifically about Jesus himself. For instance, let's consider the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a Hebrew prophet who predicted 600-700 years before Jesus' birth that Jesus would be born of a virgin, shed his blood, and be crucified. Micah, another Old Testament book of the Bible named after its author, predicted that a ruler would be born in Bethlehem, which is where Jesus was indeed born. Jeremiah, another book of the Old Testament written by and named after a Hebrew prophet, predicted a tragic massacre, which came true after the king of Bethlehem heard about Micah's prophecy of a ruler being born. The king ordered all boys aged two and under to be slaughtered in an attempt to eliminate all potential future competition for his throne. Still, another Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah, written and named after wait for it, a Hebrew prophet, Zechariah, told us hundreds of years before Jesus' birth that Jesus would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. 
Lo and behold, Jesus' friend and close follower, Judas Iscariot, betrayed Jesus by handing him over to the Romans for guess how much money. Yep, 30 pieces of silver. These prophecies, among others, account for 61 specific prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. I'm no statistician, but it seems to me that the odds of one person fulfilling 61 separate prophecies would be staggering. Scientific Accuracy we can also consider elements like scientific accuracy to determine the Bible's reliability. The Bible is full of scientific insight. Before telescopes, satellites, and modern science, Old Testament writings outlined the shape of the Earth, expanse of the universe, circulation of the atmosphere, number of stars, and laws of nature, just as if the creator of the Earth passed that information down to his creation. Don't tell my 8th grade science teacher, but this stuff was in the Bible long before discoveries were made elsewhere. The Bible even gives us insight on how to live a healthy lifestyle, which is still recommended to this day. While I'm no health nut, I do eat an average of one carrot stick for every two Twinkies I consume. Even though I'm not super knowledgeable on every aspect of healthy eating, I know today's advanced understanding of a healthy diet matches the Jewish dietary laws given by God in the Old Testament. These same laws kept Israel healthy and helped people avoid some of the sicknesses other nations experienced. This is because God created the human body, so he knows how it works, and he wants to help us keep it healthy. Extra-biblical evidence. Even people who are not pastors or Christ followers agree that the Bible has unique credibility. For example, substantial archaeological findings support the Bible's credibility. This evidence is hugely important because it means that the Bible is not just spiritual thought, it's scientifically substantiated facts. Nelson Gluck, a world-renowned archaeologist who's considered one of the greatest of our time, was featured on the cover of Time magazine and had this to say. No archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible, and by the same token, proper evaluation of biblical descriptions has often led to amazing discoveries. Along with artifacts, extra-biblical writings further validate Jesus and his existence. Over 30 sources outside of the Bible, Jewish, Roman, and others written within 150 years of Jesus' life attest to more than 100 facts regarding Jesus' life, teaching, crucifixion, and resurrection. Roman historians, as well as a Jewish historian named Josephus, wrote about Jesus' resurrection as fact. Their acknowledgement of Jesus is a huge deal because the Romans and the Jews, both Jesus' enemies and the very people who wanted him dead, verify his existence. This proves it wasn't like his friends were the only people writing about him. No other religious books like the Book of Mormon or the Quran have this kind of external validity. The Bible is unique in these ways and many others. I could write about the credibility of the Bible for months, but I encourage you to look into it yourself. You should nerd out on it. My point in all of this is that I don't have to rely on feeling or tradition in order to rely on the Bible because I can look at tangible, logical, credible proof that distinguishes the Bible from every other spiritual book. Hopefully this chapter has helped you consider that the Bible can be trusted. Let's change gears. As we move forward, I'm going to do my best to walk you through the big picture of the Bible. In doing so, I hope to expose you to the heart and mind of God, His plan, and His love for you. Again, all I ask is that you have an open mind. I am not asking you to believe anything. I'm just asking you to consider the claims of Jesus as real and what that reality could mean to you.
Headspace. Connect with God. The prophet Jeremiah said something fascinating when writing to ancient Jewish people. He said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. God's desire is to know us and be found by us. If we earnestly go looking for God, we can be assured that he is not hiding from us. Another contributor to the Bible wrote, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do, James 1, 5 through 8. If we want to know God and the things of God, wisdom, all we need to do is ask him in faith that he will hear us. Have you asked God to start to make sense to you? Maybe this book is a start to understanding him. Here's an idea. Take two minutes and talk to God. Tell him what things are making it difficult for you to have faith and ask him to remove those barriers so you can see him more clearly. Connect with others. Faith is personal, but it's never described as private in the Bible. God knew that faith is something that is figured out in community because along with prayer and reading scripture on our own, we work out our understanding of God and his word when we discuss them with other believers. The Apostle Paul was traveling to different churches when he wrote a letter to the church in Rome that read, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, Romans 1, 11, and 12. Is there anyone in your life who would be willing to connect and discuss your faith journey with you? You might want to send a message right now to see if a friend wants to read through this book with you or discuss the topics we cover in the following pages. What does this mean for you? Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 1. Do you believe that the Bible could be trustworthy? Why or why not? The Bible is meant to be a guidebook to help us live fulfilling lives. What area or areas of your life would benefit from the wisdom of God?